Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. In a moment this morning, we're going to be praying for the life group leaders. We're going to call them up. We're going to lay hands on them. The Bible says uh, that this is something we take seriously. There's the, the commissioning or the ordination of the laying on of hands where there's a discharge of uh, uh, delegated authority and anointing to do the thing that you're called to do. Amen? I found out a long time ago, Bible college was inadequate to prepare you for a lifetime of ministry. Jesus had 30 years of preparation for a three-year ministry, and that killed him. Now they give you a three-year preparation for a 30-year ministry, and you've got to stay alive. So it's, if the anointing's not at work, and if it's not by the leading of the Spirit, it can be uh, a very uh, discouraging uh, task. So, but that's not what we're doing today. We're going to be encouraging people. Amen. We can encourage those life group leaders among us who've made themselves available, and we do this once a year. Steve, don't you want to just shoot that video clip before I keep talking? While that video clip comes up, I'll stop speaking the moment it starts. But if The last thing Jesus told his disciples to do was to go everywhere and teach everyone to obey everything he asked them to do. But how? How were 11 uneducated and unsophisticated Jewish men supposed to make disciples in all the different cultures and languages of the world? They had no money, no power, no organization, and no leader. And to make matters worse, they were outcasts in their own society and religion. The disciples didn't seem to have anything, and yet they changed everything. What they did have was a life-changing experience with Jesus, a willingness to simply obey, the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh yes, and lots of contacts. What we call today a social network. Here's what happened. Everything started with prayer. Then came the power of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. After Pentecost, people visiting Jerusalem from faraway places went home and told their friends and family what God had done. And when those people passed on what they had experienced, the good news about Jesus spread like wildfire. Post-Pentecost social networking is how the gospel went viral. That was over 2,000 years ago. So how are we doing today? There is some good news and some not so good news. The good news, the number of Christians is increasing. The not so good news, the percentage of Christians is stuck. So what's the problem? And how can we solve it? The biggest issue seems to be that not all believers in Jesus are actually obedient followers of Jesus. The main job of being a disciple of Jesus is to make more disciples. But not many people are doing that today. In the first century, what created a spiritual revolution was disciples making disciples who made disciples. Dozens became hundreds, hundreds became thousands. And before too long, thousands had multiplied to millions. All because ordinary people simply obeyed what Jesus told them to do and taught those who responded to do the same. 
We think this is an idea whose time has come again. We call it Disciple Making Movements, or DMM for short. It's a movement because it can multiply naturally. So how do you start a disciple-making movement? It's actually very simple. The engine is what we call a discovery Bible study. Here's how a discovery Bible study works. As God reveals a leader within a community, a disciple-making coach helps them to form a group from among their friends and family. The group starts a process of direct interaction with God's Word. The format is simple. What does the passage say? What does it mean? What will I do in response? And finally, who can I tell so another group can start? Personal discovery, immediate obedience, and consistent replication are the launching pad for new movements. Every individual has a unique circle of influence. No two are exactly alike, but everybody's circle overlaps with many others. The intersection points are where movements take off. No matter what country, language, or culture, people share what is important to them with those they care about. Normally, when we dream about the future, we want to leave behind the old and embrace the new. But perhaps as we reimagine how to complete the Great Commission, we need to go back to how it all began. The early followers of Jesus turned the world upside down through simple obedience and natural networking. We're watching the same thing happen today. Amen. Uh, credit to DMA Ministries for that beautiful portrait. That said more in three minutes what you could preach on a series. The key essence of what God is doing in the world today is that Jesus said this message of the gospel is going to be preached in every nation as a witness before I return. Statisticians have worked out that if every believer today had to only focus on one other person and bring them into a knowledge of Christ. And then the following year, do the same thing and do it year after year. And the person that is discipled for that year also did it with just one person. That within a decade, the entire globe will have every person hear the gospel, whether they accept it or reject it. The message will have traveled through every corner of the earth. Isn't that a fantastic concept? Isn't that an awesome vision of what God can do starting at Pentecost with a group of men he just spent three years pouring his life into? And then he said, That's, there's still something more you need. And we know as crazy matics that there's got to be, uh, with the message of the gospel, the, a baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's why in the book of Acts, when they selected their first leaders to facilitate what was happening amongst the new converts, they said, make sure that they're men full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? The work of the ministry requires the fullness and the filling of the Holy Spirit. If for no other reason we gather here on a Sunday is to say, Lord, I want to start my week, remember? First day of the week. This is your Monday. I'm going to start my week with a bunch of crazy medics, I mean charismatics, that are going to come together and through songs bring their praise and their love and their adoration. And then some people are going to get up and share a word from your heart. And we're going to take the bread and the cup. And then the word, the scripture is going to be spoken over our lives. Filled, saturated with the Holy Spirit. And they went and they turned their known world 
the right side up. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? And that has never stopped being the calling and the purpose of God. So today, before we go into this ordination time, of ministering to some of the leaders, let me make this very clear, that every person sitting here who's called on the name of Jesus to be Savior, you are a priest. And you have the priesthood in you. And just because you're not running a small group or a live group, does not mean that you're not a priest as much as everybody else. And it's important that we know that even if we're meeting with one other person and sharing the good news and planting seed, that we are doing the work of ministry. And that is the same qualification that, that a life group leader needs. Amen? So that's an important stature, that we're not differentiating and putting on different levels, shaman, there's a mother needing to attend to baby there. Okay, that's taken care of. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if your life group leader is not here this morning, just look around. If they're not here, then maybe you're going to come up as a representative. Is that okay? So if your life group's not, leader's not yet. Now, when I'm talking about life groups, I want to be a little bit broader than just the Thursday night. It can include a midweek, a midday, a bi-weekly. It's wherever you, as part of this com community of communities, are meeting with a group of people that you consider a fellowship, worship, Christ-centered meeting, then you qualify to be up here. So have I got that clear? So I'm not even going to read from a list this morning. Because if you don't know who you are by now, then I, I don't know how to help you. I humbly, and this is safer than reading from a list because then you always leave somebody out. And then I'll get emails on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Not just Wednesday. So what I want to say to you this morning is that this is a very auspicious, blessed time that we're going to share around commissioning. And I want you as a believer to say, I'm going to be commissioned today. Come on. The only reason why we, we do this formal thing called life groups is because it's the best way we know at the moment for, for creating a family where there's moms and dads and brothers and sisters where love and care and fellowship can take place in a Christ-centered environment with the goal of sons and daughters going out from us. Come on. If you're a mother or father, you don't want to see your kids living in a perpetual childhood syndrome for the rest of their lives. You want to see. So as a, life, as a leader, as a Christian, in the person you're discipling or the group you, you meet with once a week or whatever, you want to see some of them catch some of what you got and take it and go and do it with other people. That's what a parent wants. If we're just content to, to sit in the same one environment, you're in and you're out, you're in and you're out, all we're doing is having a fellowship group. We're not taking the Great Commission seriously. We're st stuck in, in a perpetual, just a social fellowship. And yes, we need friends, and, and, and let's call things what they are. If it's just a friendship group, then it's a friendship group. But discipleship groups are something completely different. So if you're in a bicycle riding uh, hobby group, 
Call it that. Don't say, well, that's my, my, my discipleship group. It might be your evangelism group. You might be looking for somebody. Remember the picture we saw a few minutes ago? People surrounded by networks of relationships. Do you know that you've got those networks of relationships around you right now? And if you're in a bridge club or a bicycle club or a mountain climbing club, there's a group of people you're starting to spend time with. And as a believer, all that starts happening is you, is you have to say, Lord, I'm available to find the man or woman of peace who is receptive to the message I want to bring. And you know what your job is? You know what my job is? Just to sow the seeds. Don't think you've got to make it grow. Because you can't. Jesus said, Sower went out and he sowed his seed. And some fell amongst thorns and some fell here. So, so be careful where, where, where you... You must look for receptive soil. Who's receptive? Who's good soil? Who wants to receive this? And Jesus says... While you're sleeping, the seed is germinating. Isn't it nice to know we can rest? This is not a call to hard, strenuous, you know, labor that's, you know, intensive and, and draining. But that, that this can be a, a ministry of just sowing seeds and then saying, Lord, now I'm putting it in your hands. I've prayed over it and I'm releasing it to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers. And someone else might reap what you sowed. And you might reap what somebody else sowed. But when we speak about these groups that are coming up this morning, it's specifically families in the church, groups in the church, life groups in the church, where the dynamics of family should be taking place. Care, love, concern, but also raising up to release. Because the world's not going to be one if we just stay inside these four walls. And I said this last week, I want to repeat it, that I almost want to change the name of our church to Highway Christian Communities. P plural. Because the concept of community means you think, well, I'm in a community because I come here on a Sunday. Now, you come here on a Sunday because you want to enter into the corporate priestly worship and whatever other reasons. But if you come here week after, year after, decade after decade, and you never ever say, Lord, I want to be instrumental to just touch one life and be able to sow a seed of my story of what you've done for me, Jesus Christ, through your death, burial, and resurrection, and giving me new hope, and giving me righteousness, so that I can pray with boldness. If, if, if after decades and decades, we never can open our mouth to sow a seed, my friend, then all we're doing is ticking a box that says, been to church today. Hello? Done my duty for today. And you will stay with an emptiness in you. And maybe move from church to church to church to church. Looking for that to be for our store guy this week. I was chatting. He came to a meeting. He's been to like nine churches in the last ten years. 
I want to say to him, just go and lead someone to Jesus and disciple that person for a year and you'll find your fulfillment. Because Jesus said, my food is something you don't know anything about. He was talking to a Samaritan woman. They went to the villages and brought food and said, you must be hungry. And he says, I'm eating right now. They said, what are you talking about? He says, my food is to do the will of God in heaven and to preach this gospel and to preach it unashamedly and see those uh, uh, in this community changed. Amen. We might, as preachers, demonstrate that for half an hour in the week. But when you see the power of reproduction, it's to understand that the seed now is being sown. Right now you're receiving seed into your life. Come on. I'm not going to stress about it, whether it grows or not. I'm going to trust God. That soil is going to be receptive today. So when we pray for these people, we're also praying for you because you're a priest and you call to do the work of being a witness in all the earth. And it might not be a formal group that stands up here. It might be a behind-the-scenes group that's not part of the structure. But I would ask you, who's the person you go to when you need to bounce something, question something, Take care of a situation in your own personal life as long as you've got that person. Because you know what? We all need a father and we all father someone. We all position ourselves as sons and we all should have sons and daughters and mothers, respectively. Are you tracking with me this morning? So, if you've got one person you're meeting with, Jesus says, I'm glad he limited to where two or three are gathered. Not where 20 or 30 are gathered. Aren't you glad about that? That's the DNA building block right there where two or three are gathered. But they gathered around the DNA of worship, prayer, Bible, replication. And we looked at those how long ago? Three weeks ago. The DNA of what should be in that group. If that DNA is not present, then maybe it's just a keeping fit group. And there's nothing wrong with that. Or, or, or a fun group. And, you know, they call it that. Nothing wrong with that. God will give you opportunities in and out of season. But those people we're praying for now, and the people sitting, you know who you are. If there's someone you are saying, Lord, I'm going to meet with that person. You've given me a desire. You've showed me they are receptive. I'm going to share my story with them. I'm going to catch the DNA. We had a fun time at home cell on, on uh, Wednesday, Thursday night. When did we meet? Yeah, it's the back there. It's so quiet today. Wednesday night. And, and it was quite interesting because when we started the meeting, I don't know where I am. Where, where I am in, was in the meeting, um, the life group leader said, look, we don't actually have a guitar or, or proper worship, praise and worship. We just go, you know, we just start to pray. And I said, you got it, man. All we do is, the Bible says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Do you know that that's worship? You don't need a guitar. If there's two or three of you, it's quite weird. Especially if there's just two of you. 
Are you lonesome tonight? But get a bit weird, yeah? Oh, baby, please don't go. Oh, baby, please don't go. No. Worship begins with an attitude of gratitude. It starts with asking, has something good happened in your life this week? You know why we got to ask that question regularly? Is because it's so easy to concentrate on the half-empty glass and not the half-full glass. It's so easy to concentrate and to focus on the negativity that we are being bombarded with in the media, people talking at the office, in the classroom, wherever you go, it's, there's this subtle background negativity going on. We need to find out what we're grateful for. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then we need to know and be honest about what our challenges are, both personally and in our community. And we've got to do what the scripture says, bring your requests with thanksgiving, and the God of peace will transcend your situation. That's the new Stephen paraphrased version. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer with with thanksgiving, bring your requests to God. And the God of peace will keep your heart. Come on. From a place of praise, we come into a place of, God, I'm going to trust you. This looks too big for me. I don't think I'm going to get this interview. Lord, I don't know if my child's going to you know, get over this situation. I don't know, Lord, if the economy is going to turn around. I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't know if that's going to happen. But I know one thing. I'm going to come into your presence thanking you for what you have done and then bringing my requests. And in that, so, so we had life group. So I said, okay, well, let's not, let's not sing if you don't have a guitar. Let's just uh, find a few things to be thankful about. So this one said, this, oh, thankful this happened, thankful this happened, thankful this one. I said, okay, now the second thing is, what are our needs? What are you as an individual? What are you as a, as a, as a in your community? And one or two, it was like about, 80, about 180 people at the home group. I mean, 180 fingers. Sorry. Uh, there was about 18 people there, so it was like quite difficult to, to converse harder than when you in a smaller number. So it's the small groups are very powerful. Two and three, I'm telling you, there's power there. And we just started praying. And as we started praying, a spirit of worship came into our prayers. <laughs> and we just started singing spontaneously, without instruments. Without me having to lean over and say, play the piano softly, sister. Oh, the glory. Nothing of that. Just spontaneous songs. Hey, come on, that's wonderful. And then the third thing, our DNA is to go to the scripture. So what, I can't even remember now what scripture, can somebody help me? There's, what did we do? Paul, sorry man, I shouldn't use names, I want to embarrass people. Oh, oh it was uh, 1 Timothy 2 verse 2. How quickly, okay, I'm going to quote it. I'm from verse 1. It says, now, Remain strong in the grace that you received in the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a good place to start? And then it goes on in verse 2 and says, And the things you've heard from me entrust to reliable people who will be able to instruct others. Okay, so we've just read it. 
So then I said to the group, okay, where's the microphone? Okay, take your eyes off the Bible now. No cheating, no cribbing. And put that into your own words, what we just read. Anybody? Anybody? Who would like to have a shot at just putting that, those two verses into their own words? Keith, looking very spiritual and dashing to that group. Anybody? Repeat the question. You didn't even get the scripture, Michael. And now you want to question. And that's exactly what happened at Life Group. Dr. Henry? Welcome. Simon's us. Welcome to church today. I'll see you over there just now. Any, anybody? Just, okay. That's exactly the response I got on Wednesday night. It proved my point beyond, it was, it was like it was scripted. It was like it was the perfect setup. Because if everyone did it perfectly, I would have, the wind would have been out of my sails. Then I said, good, that was brilliant. Now we're going to go back and read it again. Two, 1 Timothy 2 verse 1. Now, my son, stay strong in the grace that you've received in Christ Jesus. It's what this church is all about. Declaring that it's what he did, not what we did. That he qualified us. So be strong in the grace that you've received in Christ. And the second verse is, these things that you've heard from me. What things? Is it two Timothy? These things you've heard from me. Is it really? These, <laughs> these things you've heard from me entrust to reliable people who themselves will be able to tell other people. Then I said again, now, do you think you can have a shot at putting it into your own words? Okay, look up from your Bible. Just like off the top of your cup, just the top of the cup, don't don't have to word perfect. It's just like, what is the sense of those two verses? Trish. Mm-mm. Anybody? Any takers? Any takers? Give it a shot, my bro. Oh, what you've heard from the Lord, transfer to others. Oh, that's very good. Amen? That's a good start. What you received, what did you receive from the Lord? What did you receive from the Lord that you're going to transfer to others? Grace. Stay strong in the grace. Transfer to others. But there's a very important point still lacking here. The grace you know about, give to others. Something missing. Sorry? Ah, say that, say that again. Spread it, spread it. Give it to somebody else who will take it and give it to someone else. Give it to somebody who will be able to give it to somebody else. So that's good, yes. Tell somebody about the grace of God. That's a good start. Amen? But pass on what you've received to a reliable person. Who is a reliable person? It's the person that's going to pass it on to somebody else. You can spend your life with unreliable people. And you can tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them. I tell you, after three years, Jesus says, I'm out of here. Because if you guys haven't got it, I'm sorry. I know a lot of pastors who feel that way. Amen? If you've got to sit week after week, month after month, and you get seed, put in your seed bag, and you're unreliable, because you don't 
make yourself available to pass it on. You rob yourself of the blessing. You rob yourself of the partnership. You rob yourself of the, 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 what do they call that? Pastor Nelly breaking his leg on stage. That partnership. Amen. Now, when it comes, once we've paraphrased, once we think we've got the verse, because you know I can read a verse and it can go in here and out here. I know nobody in this church. But I mean, you'll just see the pastor's lips going. What, what was that scripture this morning? I don't know. So if I can put it into my own words, means I get it. Secondly, what does this say about God? Because that's really important. Now let's take that scripture. What does that say about God? Yes? Shout it out. Who said grace? Someone said grace. Yeah, it tells us that God is gracious. And our starting point is grace. What else does it tell us about God? It's true. He's your strength. What else does that passage, be strong in the grace, these things you've heard from me, also to other reliable people who tell others, what does that tell you about the nature of God, who God is? Something about God. He wants to touch the whole world. You were going to say that, eh? Yeah, my daddy and daughter, he, he read your notes. He read your notes. He did that at school as well, I remember. He loves and he wants the whole world to hear about his grace. So that's a great thing that that scripture tells us about God. But let's move on. Number three. What does it tell you about people? Tanya. What does that scripture tell you about, about people? Well, that's very good. That never came up at Life Group. You guys, take one point off. That some people aren't reliable. I didn't see that. Okay, what else do we see about people from that passage? What does it tell us about people? Have a shot. We need to surround ourselves with reliable people. I think I should have come to your life group rather than to. Where do you guys meet? Huh? I'm resigning, guys. What else does it tell you about people? Doug, what does that scripture tell you about people? Interact and share. They are God's. Inter- I love that. It tells you that God's not coming down in a majestic chariot surrounded by flames of fire to preach the gospel. He's going to use little old you. Not little old you. I mean little young you. He's going to use us to sow seed as the sower goes about his daily work. And we need to discern between Am I just wasting my time on soil that's full of thorns and hard ground that's not ready? God, give me fertile soil. I mean, come on, pray that in your heart right now. God, give me fertile soil. Think of those people that are in your network of relationship. Think of those people that you're surrounded with. God, give me discernment to find 
reliable people. Soil that's fertile. And then, thirdly, lastly, fourthly, whatever, what? Put it in your own words. What does it say about God? What does it say about you? Fourthly, what would need to change in your life? Okay, think about that scripture now. Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. These things you've heard from me, pass on to reliable people and tell others. What would have to change in your life if you believed that was a word from God? You have to meet people. Whoa. If only, I, I think they should write a book called Meet People. Chapter 1, Meet People. Chapter 2, Meet People. Chapter 3, Meet People. Because it's just about getting with somebody. So I would have to prioritize time in my crazy, busy, hectic life of family, children, grandchildren, yesterday grandchildren's party that started at 11 and ended at 5. And no exaggeration. Amongst this life, of demands and emails and phone calls and meetings, I've got to say, Lord, who is that person that you want me to sow seed? I've got to meet somebody. I've got to meet. Oh, there's a song in there. Bob Dylan sang it, eh? You got to meet somebody. He did. You got to meet somebody. It might be in a coffee bar. It might be at church. It might be in the shop center. It might be in your birth. But you gotta meet somebody. You gotta meet somebody. I love, I can stop right there. You gotta meet somebody. That's what's gotta change about my life if this is from God's word. And then what have I gotta do when I meet somebody? You gotta tell them your story about Jesus. That he's the great I am. That he is the I am who spoke to Moses and said, let my people go and reappeared through the virgin birth, through the channel of, of mankind and said, I am the light of the world. I am the first and the last. I am the, the great I am. He says, I am the good shepherd and I am the vine. And he comes and he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he comes and says, I am the way, the truth and the life and nobody can comes to the Father through Him. They've got to hear about that Jesus. Amen. I'm just sowing seed here. Honestly, don't feel you need to say it like I just said it. My job is to sow seed into a big seedbed. But you've got the same story. Sitting across with a cup of coffee. Meeting with somebody. I think we should call up the life group leaders. Would you please come? All the life group leaders. Stand up. If your life group leader is not here, please represent him. Please, just represent him. Be bold. Be strong. I know one or two guys couldn't make it today. They had prior commitments. Don't you want to stand up and walk to the front? Just stand up and, and walk to the front. Thank you. I know who you are. Gabriel the Archangel has given me your address. Right now. Now that was just a joke. If you're visiting, bad joke. I just didn't want to miss anybody else. Come on, aren't these wonderful people standing up here? 
Yeah, let's get let's honor where honor is due. I want you just to, right now where you're sitting, I want to speak first to the people who are sitting. Because I, I want to honor those standing up here and say that these guys and ladies have made a time in the week available to meet with a family of believers where sons and daughters will go and become mothers and fathers. Do you see that? But if you're not bringing babies into this, these communities, if you're not making that effort to, to say, where do I slot in in this regard, then it's counterproductive and it'll die in one generation. You know if none of these people reproduced themselves, you do know that it would all be dead after one generation. Get that picture. They've got to have sons and daughters. Who are going to have sons and daughters? Who are going to have sons and daughters? Now, I know many of you sitting there, you're not standing up here, but you also are involved in a mentoring two-way relationship. That's why Jesus sent the Samaritan woman back to her village. You know the Samaritan story? She goes through all the phases of how wonderful Jesus is. And she goes back and says, come and see a man who told me everything about myself. She'd been married four times. and She went to the well to get water. She, Jesus says, don't follow me. Go, and, go back to your village and tell them. You, you know why he does that? Because young Christians are infectious. Hello? Young believers are contagious. The longer they stay Christianized without sharing their faith, the more religious they become. The sooner you get an opportunity as a young believer, I'm not going to embarrass him here this morning, but there's someone present here, very dear to my heart. He was the first person I ever had an opportunity as a brand new Christian, saved a few weeks, that I had an opportunity to share and pray the, the gospel prayer with. And yeah, we've been through seasons of our ups and downs, but the fact that he's sitting here this morning brings so much joy to my heart. I know one life can touch another life, that can touch another life, that can touch another life, that can touch another life. And when you are doing that, you're in a two-way mentoring. You are being mentored by somebody and you are mentoring somebody. Always a son, always a parent. And remember what I said, this is not a special clergy ordination. These are just families in the church who said, we're going to make time available, we're going to make our home available for people to come and meet. And then, because you can see this group, I don't even know if we're going to be able to put photos on the photo board anymore, because this group is going to explode. And it's going to be rapid fire after the next year or so that we're not going to actually have time to now go fiddle putting photos to little pretty little words. It's just going to go like wildfire. Because that's how the kingdom, that's how yeast goes through the dough. So this is all nice and pretty. And, but but I've asked a couple of guys to help me just in the facilitating as a support team. Because it's a big team for Janet now. So we've got a support team, uh, Alec and Jackie, come up and pray with me, and Richard Nether, and Bill and Anne, just to be, you know, they've got some mileage as well as you, 
They want to learn from you. And, and, and they're there as a support, someone alongside. Life group leaders, you have someone alongside. And if ever you want to call on somebody, these are the guys we can call. Amen? So, now, I'd like everyone to read this. Now we're going to pray. Richard, come go. Well, and, and I want to ask the church, can we stand up together? Let's stand up. Okay, we're missing one representative from the Tablanches group. Please, if anyone from their home group come up, that's fine. You can go on that side because by the time we've prayed, we'll get to you. Amen. Okay, that's great. Let's just lift our hands. Lord, we thank you for men and women who have dedicated years of time and investment. Sometimes, Lord, we get discouraged because we feel like so much falls on hard ground, so much falls on thorns and doesn't produce fruit. But you said that what produces fruit will produce 60, 80, and 100 fold. When we're dead and gone, what we've done is going to be producing 100 fold. The fruit of an apple tree is not just to have an apple. It's so that there's another apple tree. The potential of a fruit tree is not just another tree, but an orchard with enough seed to populate the earth. One generation. One generation. We just pray right now, Lord, as we reach our hands to those who are available here. Jane, do you want to come? Guys, can we just lay hands and just pray right now? Father, we just thank you for your strengthening, your anointing. We pray now for power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, a, a vision for discipleship and evangelism. A vision for uh, multiplication. Just a simple biblical approach to making disciples that is Christ-centered. That is, Lord, filled with your glory, filled with your power, filled with your peace. Energy, strength, rejuvenation, wisdom, rivers of living water, rivers of living water, life, Lord, vision, direction. Pray for clear strategy that's simple, biblical, transferable, reproducible, that the future generations will see the generation that stood up and said, Here am I, Lord, use me, use me, send me, send me, Lord. As you went and you said, the disciples not greater than his master. Lord, we want to walk in your footsteps, do the things that you did. See a change, see a transformation. I just felt to add on to the word that Norma brought this morning, where she saw, was a dam or a lake or whatever, with a pebble that was thrown out and then basically like the ripples that went out further and further. And I just want to say, say like something that I heard in the week. A lot of Christians feel that the power is in the pulpit, but it's not. The power of God is in the pews. And when you get a stone thrown into the pew, a ripple effect should happen. And what God has said this morning is he wants to take what is inside of each one of us and he wants to procreate it. We need to create ripples in our lives. Yeah. And I just felt like that, that word that Norma brought was so appropriate because when a change comes, the surface is smooth, but all of a sudden something breaks. And when something breaks and breaks over our lives, there will be an impact. 
And that thing again, the power is in the pews. The power of God is inside of you and me, and we will break and impact the world around us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jan. Yeah, let's give the Lord a praise and a thanks. And just before, just before you guys sit down, just before you guys sit down, I mean, everyone else can, can you just look up at me, up at where I'm standing? Just, I want to say something personal to you as they finish praying now. I just have something personal from the bottom of my heart to say to those who are currently either representing a life group or soon to be, is, is, is this, that in the past, we often looked at home group as being the, the little gate that leaves, causes, stops people leaving the church. It's like a little net. You know, so we keep all the little fishies swinging in a circle in the net. So they're in relationship. But it was a completely wrong picture because life group should be a picture of the front door of the church. And we start releasing and equipping life group and individual people with one other person who are the doorway to the tens of thousands of people we haven't reached yet. It's not a back door net. It's a front door exponential world-covering dynamic in this gospel. So can, can I just pray for you that, Lord, that you would change our minds from just thinking about hold the fort for I'm coming. Just help us to change our thought of, let me just get through this year and keep these three people happy, into these three people are going to become world changers. And even as it breaks a parent's heart to see sons and daughters go, these are going to go and have their own children. And I want to get on with having other children. And I'm not going to just get cozy and snug. But I'm going to see those, around, those you've entrusted to me. Not in a little safe net. Singing Kumbaya, my Lord. But a front door saying, Ah, Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell cannot stop it. We're going to invade church. We're not defending. We are on the offense, not the defense. We're going into plunder. We're going into take territory, not just hold territory and hang on to territory. Come on, you can say amen for that. Let's stand up together as uh, we're going to go out to this one song. I never got to the sermon I was going to preach, but I think enough seed got planted here. If you need prayer after the service, sick or you want to give your life to the Lord, please don't go away. Come to the front. Someone will be here to pray with you. But let's just lift up our this song. What's it called, Dave? The goodness of God. If we can get that one up ready to go. Let's declare this now. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. So
with every breath that I am able, I will see of the goodness of God. With your voice, you have led me through the fire, through the darkness. went on a bit long we we didn't want to just rush through that this morning because that's a special time in the life of the church so um, I'll keep my sermon short now no really I will I'll keep it to two minutes and it's simply this that on Wednesday night when we spoke about the scripture he said, can we put it in our own words? Because then when you look up and you can say it, it means you've got it. Try that on your own. Read a verse, look up and say it. Secondly, what does it say about God? Thirdly, what does it say about people? Fourthly, what do we have to change in my life if this is a word from God? Fifthly, who out there needs to hear this? Amen. Is it that person you're meeting with? Is it someone at the office? Is it a family member? But there's someone out there that that seed is going to help. And especially when you share it from that context that I've just outlined. And then when are you going to share it with them? Not just who, but when. I'm going to share it. When are you going to share it with them? Because if we don't, if we fail to plan, we plan to. So when am I going to do that? And the next week at Life Group, the 
it's a good question to ask. Who got a chance this week to share that seed with someone else? Can you see what we've done with that? We've taken it all the way through. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God make his face shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.